Welcome to That Breastfeeding Podcast, brought to you by the volunteer admins of Extended Breastfeeding in Ireland. We are fully WHO compliant and 100% volunteer-led and sponsorship-free. All opinions expressed here today are fully our own and we speak from our own personal experiences. We hope you enjoy. This year, we celebrate 40 years of the International Code of Marketing of Breast Milk Substitutes, also known as the WHO Code. To celebrate, our admins will be discussing the code with our special guest, Mary Bird. Our aim here today is to help inform parents on what the code is, who it's for, and why it matters. Hi everyone, I'm Leah from the EBI admin team. I'm here today with Tony. Hello. And Rebecca. Hi. We are absolutely thrilled to have our special guest, Mary Bird, with us today to have a chat about the World Health Organization code and what it means for parents. You are very welcome, Mary, and you might begin by giving us your experience of the World Health Organization code and its history here in Ireland. Well, I'll try. <laughs> um, my name is Mary Bird, and I am the Leitch League leader here in Ireland. Um, for a very long time. I am a mother and I am uh, now through with three adult children and I'm also a grandmother. I've been a Little Age League leader for 45 years. Uh, yeah, do the maths. Um, and really the code, the WHO UNICEF Code of Marketing of Breast Milk Substitutes is probably one of the key underlying factors in the work that I have been doing and delighted to do with Laleche League. I am also a representative of Laleche League on the um, BFLGI, Baby Feeding Law Group in Ireland. Now, before I get started with some history stuff, I really want to take this opportunity to thank all of the admins in EBI. Just thank you so much for what you do. You are incredible. EBI is absolutely amazing because you are a movement for change in support of breastfeeding families. Um, the generosity, your generosity, and the generosity of those members who support one another has been just a joy to see over the years. Now, um, in terms of the activities of the infant formula industry, um, I'd like to take a brief sort of flashback. But really what I want to say is that what I have seen and what you see now is just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more going on under the water. And so uh, really, let's take a, a, a quick a quick look back through history, because what's happening now is part of a continuum of what has gone on in Ireland and around the world for decades. Um, I might start with a little bit of personal history because for me, this is personal. Um, I was born in the 1950s and I was breastfed. 
my mother breastfed me for five months, um, but I wasn't fed um, between the hours of 10 and 6 because that is what the hospital recommended. My father talks about trying to comfort me in Roxas Cot and all of that until it was 6 a.m. when I could be put to the breast again. Incredible. My sister, um, who came two years afterwards, was born two years after me, was, was also breastfed, but only for six weeks. Um, my mother had sore nipples, she was bleeding, she went to the doctor, and the doctor told her to stop. And the doctor also gave her a book from an infant formula company. Now that book sat in our, every family has the drawer, the everything drawer. That book sat in the drawer because not only did it have, and I can still see it, I, I remember it, um, the logo of the infant formula company, but it also had something that made sure that no mother would throw this book out. It had a whole chart about childhood illnesses, rashes, contagion, all of that. And I was the kind of child, there weren't very many books in our house when I was little, but I was the kind of child who learned to read early and who devoured that book. So it was, it was part of a marketing strategy. My brother was born in 1960. He was not breastfed. And surprise, surprise, the formula he was given was the same formula as the book that that doctor had given my mother when my sister um, was six weeks old. Um, now, um, La Leche League started in the States in 1956 and came to Ireland in 1966. And the idea was to provide mothers with evidence-based information and also companionship and support. Um, and in Ireland, um, La Leche League spread very, very quickly with no internet or anything like that. Um, it spread through word of mouth. Um, by the 70s, um, breastfeeding initiation rate was down all over the world. And in Ireland, um, we estimate it fell to around 18%. So it was nearly gone. There was a very poor understanding by healthcare professionals of how breastfeeding worked. And um, the scheduled feeds, central nurseries, bottles of glucose water, early solids, some six, 10 weeks uh, introduction of solid foods. Um, and the influence of the infant formula companies here in Ireland was pervasive. I just give you a small example. Back in the day, you know the way mothers kept the little mementos of each child's birth. In fact, probably in the attics all over Ireland, you'll find these things. Um, the cot tags, which recorded baby's weight, date of birth, male or female, were sponsored by infant formula companies. So mothers were taking home this little, as along with their baby, this little memento, um, which included the brand name. Um, 
No, GPs had really very little training breastfeed on 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 training on how to cope with common breastfeeding problems, and indeed, my own sudden and surprise introduction to Lil actually, um, I my baby in the early seventies was three months old. Um, I was breastfeeding. I got a sore breast. Went to my GP, and he said, "Oh, uh, stop breastfeeding on that side, and take these antibiotics." So I took the antibiotics, and it got worse and worse because I wasn't feeding to that side. And finally, I contacted this organisation, the Nature League, that I'd read about in the newspaper. And this wonderful leader came out in her Morris Minor and her three children and helped me um, to, to get started again and to put the baby to the sore side. Next day, back comes my GP. In those days, doctors did home visits. And he said, oh, you're much better. You look so, you look dreadful yesterday. It's so much better now. And, you know, he says, you do what I told you take the antibiotics and stop breastfeeding. And uh, <laughs> I had to do the deep breath and say, well, I took the antibiotics, but I contacted the Nature League and they suggested that I continue nursing. And he says, well, you're wrong. That's wrong. And I said, but it works. So I had to find a new GP. But I kept on with the Leche League and they were so welcoming. And the same kind of thing that many of you will have found in breastfeeding support organizations, in Quidju, Friends of Breastfeeding, that there is a solidarity with women sharing their experience, their information. And really, I am just so grateful to the Leche League because not just for me and for our family, but for all of the families. And I really think that were it not for the Nature League, um, starting in Ireland, 1966, that the breastfeeding rates currently would be even lower. Um, so, yeah. Now, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the influence of the infant formula companies. Um, Back in the day, and some of you listening may remember some of these things from your own childhood, from your own early breastfeeding experience. Um, by the 1980s, the breastfeeding initiation rate had increased to 32%. But the tailed off very quickly because there wasn't the family experience of breastfeeding. People didn't know what to do. And certainly the maternity hospitals, um, you know, were not the best. And the whole healthcare system was, I was going to say infected. I don't think that's probably the right word. But the influence and the conflict of interest of the effects of the infant formula industry were very clear, very visible. Um, public health nurses were given these coffee mugs, tea mugs, um, with the logos of the infant formula industry, the companies, 
So that when a mother went in to have her baby weighed or something like that, first thing she saw on the desk was probably the half-drunk cup of tea with the logo of a company. The diaries that the public health nurses had um, were supplied by uh, HSE, Department of Health, whatever it was at the time. But the covers of the diary, the one that had the little pockets to put things in, the notes, the bit for the pen, were supplied by an infant formula company. So when a public health nurse came to visit a mother, new mother, she took this walking ad with her, put her diary down on the table, and the mother sees Company X. I'm not going to mention names here because I have no intention of giving them any further free advertising. Um, there were study days. Public health nurses and others went to visit the factory. Study days. Um, they had a free meal. There is no such thing, as they say, as the free meal. Um, trips, conferences, meals. Um, depending on how high up you were in pecking order, the consultants probably got better restaurants. Um, really, the country was awash with infant formula. Mothers were given the bounty book, the bounty bag, full of advertisements for infant formula, full of very poor breastfeeding information suggestions that your baby should be weaned to solid food by at least three months, Department of Health recommends. Um, and, you know, so all of this continued. And this was paralleled around the world. There was a huge move, um, both in countries that were what we was called the third world. They were still part of our planet, but we called them the third world. Um, and also more so-called developed countries. Breastfeeding rates were nearly, nearly gone. And the health implications were more obvious. Um, organizations like La Leche League, UNICEF, WHO, were appalled at the high rate of infant mortality. And so there was a move on. It's worth looking, if you ever get a chance on YouTube, um, at the Senate hearings where Ted Kennedy is asking the formula company representatives um, to account for their practices of selling to areas where water supply was poor. And the whole area of ethics um, becomes part of it. Now, here in Ireland, we did our best, um, given the David and Goliath situation. Um, the Leche League ran conferences. I remember back in 1989, our conference speaker was Gabriel Palmer, who was the author of The Politics of Breastfeeding. I totally recommend anybody to read this book. Um, and so you began to have people who were interested, healthcare professionals, and bless them, the HSE began, or the Health Promotion Unit, Department of Health and all of that, began to recognize that we had a problem here in Ireland. 
there were higher rates of gastroenteritis, higher rates of respiratory infections amongst those who did not breastfeed. And so there was some effort to support breastfeeding organizations such as La Leche League and then later Quidu. And at the same time, what I've talked about, the pens, the labeled gestational wheel. When you went um, to, to have a pregnancy and when was your due date, um, they whipped out this little wheel which had a logo of an infant formula company. So literally, you were two weeks overdue and you got this little thing to calculate when was maybe due. And these were the things you could see. What we couldn't see was what was the influence at government level of the agricultural lobby. What was the influence in the maternity hospitals? We had some idea what the influence was in terms of the training of healthcare professionals. They didn't get very much training and what they did get was often sponsored by the infant formula companies. Um, in the supermarkets, um, you know, there, there were displays, there were um, people in animal outfits. You cannot believe this going around as uh, emblems of the formula companies. Um, there were baby fairs. Oh, some of you will remember the baby fairs, um, which could apparently only get a booking in the RDS on the weeks coming up to National Breastfeeding Week. Um, now, by... By 1990s and thereabouts, um, there would have been, if you like, advocacy to the Ministry for Health to start some kind of national breastfeeding committee. And I was very fortunate to be invited to represent La Leche League on that group. We produced the first national breastfeeding policy for Ireland, 1994. And that policy contained a copy of the WHO code. So it's been there. Healthcare professionals have known about it. Industry has known about it. And yet, it's a bit like, do you know, um, by, oh, let me see, by, by 1981 or so, um, I was at some conference and in America. I remember seeing car seats. There were no car seats very much here in Ireland. Look at how different it is today. And yet, look in terms of infant formula. Why have we not moved from a breastfeeding initiation of 30-something percent in 1980 to a lot more? Um, in uh, 2021. And the reason is nobody was lobbying against the use of car seats. Um, so much the awards for healthcare professionals came from infant formula companies. I want to pay tribute to Philomena Canning for turning down an award. Um, she was a midwife, 
And she won one of these baby formula company sponsored awards. And she said, no, thank you, because she realized that there was a conflict of interest. And that's why, you know, I am optimistic. I am hugely optimistic that now, and particularly with the pandemic uh, and a greater emphasis on what do we want, deeper values, that there is a move towards saying we really need to take this code seriously to implement it. Um, you'd be thrilled to see um, uh, the um, just 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 the difference you began to see in the baby friendly hospital. Uh, baby friendly health initiative where he focused on the code and maternity hospitals getting on board healthcare professionals themselves women's education here in Ireland once you got to see healthcare professionals themselves turning up at the League and Quidju meetings they came to the medical seminars they came to the League conferences and so you have that turnaround that Women are educated and informed. Um, again, the um, Royal College of Physicians paper, recent paper on um, breastfeeding shows the importance of better training that is not commercially sponsored for all healthcare professionals. It is wonderful to see that, as you said, yeah. the change in the world at the moment but if we could just bring you to, to, let's say, exactly what the WHO code is and how it has influenced that, as you said, there was so much sponsorship by formula companies. There was so much free advertisement. And again, I know it is still there. But if you could give us a little bit of an up or a background as such as to what exactly it is and who it's there to protect. OK, well, and I, 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 I hope that my colleagues in Baby Feeding Law Group Ireland will, will accept this very brief, brief summary. The code really was um, in 1981 um, a, an attempt to regulate the industry for the protection all babies, no matter how that they were fed. It is an attempt to protect vulnerable infants in their first weeks and months of life. Obviously, the code promotes, protects, supports breastfeeding, but it also protects babies who are fed with infant formula because whatever else, it is a necessary product. And the codes really seeks that the marketing to parents, it shows how this kind of, of marketing is no way to make a decision on what is the sole food of a baby. And the code also addresses healthcare professionals right through the whole healthcare system, maternity hospitals, community health, um, public health. And they have responsibilities. Um, so yes, um, 
Ireland was one of the countries, or 149 of them or something, uh, signed up to the WHO code. And then it's up to each country to implement the WHO code into legislation. Well, we haven't exactly rushed on, on that one. But again, I have been so inspired by, for example, lactation consultants. Lilichley, by the way, was involved in starting that whole profession. And back in the day, um, 1989 it would have been, I was one of a very small group of people in Ireland who sat the first lactation consultant exam um, in Dublin. And there were about 12 of us, and we've all gone on in different ways to be active as advocates. Um, and if it wasn't for you and your peers, we wouldn't be sitting here having this podcast at the moment. Well, there are so many other people in the Leche League, in Quidju, in Friends of Breastfeeding, and in the healthcare system who have shown the courage, who have taken the education, who have kept in touch. We don't know all there is to know. That's the other thing. No expert, either in the code or in breastfeeding. We're all still learning. But this so Mary, you said that the, um, the code is there to protect babies and their parents. You know, how could you develop on that a little bit? That you're saying it's there to protect babies. You know, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I think that we there is so much research available that is quite and and by the way I'm not, I'm not going to quote company but it really gets me when I listen or see the advertising that says you know inspired by x number of years of breastfeeding research well if they ever really looked at the research if they ever really studied the Lancet, the WHO, the UNICEF material, they would have to accept that there is a huge difference in terms of the protective effects of breastfeeding, the antibodies, the immunities, all of that. Um, having said that, this is no way um, any kind of criticism of parents who either choose to bottle feed, uh, to formula feed, or who need to formula feed or to combine. Um, my criticism is of the industry, not of the individual mothers. We want formula to be as safe and as affordable as possible. And that's the other bit. All of this marketing, and I am only giving you a brief overview of, you know, the fluffy toys, the branded clothing, the gift bags, all of that. I am not naive enough to know, to think this is only the tip of the iceberg. There is money talks. It doesn't have to. It just is. There is industry influence and in the export world as well. We are exporting poor health, mainly to Asia. We are marketing and growing a market. And I think that's it. There is a misconception there that the code only applies to poorer countries, that 
it, that that's definitely not correct. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, you only have to go into a supermarket and to look at the shelves. I do this regularly to look at the shelves and to look at the, the information. Um, by the way, I know I wear glasses, but look at the small print. Look at how difficult it is. If you were to do a study, and maybe we should, um, to send in a group of grandmothers, mothers, sisters, whatever, to buy a thing of infant formula, we say for a two-month-old child, you'd be very, very confused. Um, it is quite difficult. And then you turn around and look at the small print as to how to make the product. Um, we know that the industry cares for profits and that the information to all parents however they choose to feed, uh, is, totally, is totally inadequate and further affects the safety um, uh, of, of babies. Yes, absolutely, Mary. And thank you for giving us such a wonderful insight. So, Tony, could you tell us exactly what the WHO code is and why it's there? So the World Health Organization code for the marketing of breast milk substitutes is a set of guidelines that were published by the World Health Organization in 1981. Uh, what is it? In their Article 1, they say that the aim of this code is to contribute to the provision of safe and adequate nutrition for infants by the protection of breastfeeding and by ensuring the proper use of breast milk substitutes when these are necessary on the basis of adequate information and through appropriate marketing and distribution. So that's it in a nutshell, and it's as valid today as it was then. Infants, whether they are fed, fed breast milk or formula or both, the code protects all babies, yeah. So code covers formula, milks for babies and toddlers and young children up to 36 months. These would include follow-on milk, covers any food or drink marketed for babies under six months. It covers commercial baby foods or drinks. And it covers bottles, nipples and teats for bottles. All these things are legislated, or well, all these things come under the guidelines. But unfortunately, Ireland has only adopted the code for products that are sold to babies up until six months old. For products of for, for products for children older than six months, it's not protected under Irish law. Unfortunately, this is why we have ads on TV for follow-on milk and things like that. It's because they're marketed for babies of older than six months old. Manufacturers, distributors, and retailers of the products that I listed above are all expected to follow the code. Healthcare workers and healthcare facilities are all expected to follow the code as well. The WHO code covers the labelling of food. So the label on a tin of formula must be in the local language of the country where it's sold. The information must include the hazards associated with artificial feeding. Labels can't use 
idealizing language. Like I'm trying to think of the Ed campaigns that were around a good few years ago, you know, um, closest to breast milk. We can't say stuff like that anymore because it's against the code, which is great. Labels can't use idealizing images either now. Um, you know, a happy baby sleeping, anything like that. The only information that can be presented on the tin of formula is that how to make it up properly. Factual information like, you know, the ingredients, obviously. Technical um, information like, for example, you know, what the baby bottle is made of and what the bottle teeth is made of. And then there are certain things that aren't allowed under the code as well. So any of these products are not allowed to be promoted to parents. Unfortunately, in Ireland, they can be advertised to health professionals, but that's just because we have not implemented the code in full. We've just done the bait up to six months. Okay, also health claims not substantiated by scientific evidence are not allowed. And, um, you know, the most excellent visual development or you know your kid will be a rocket scientist they can't say stuff like that because it's completely made up they also can't promote products which are unsuitable for babies such as you know you can't put on your tin of sweetened condensed milk that it's suitable for a baby of a couple of months old also donate donations of formula or feeding equipment in emergencies are not allowed under the code and that's probably a funny one for people to get their heads around, like, because they think, oh, well, you know, babies still need to be fed in an emergency. But actually, what people mostly need during an emergency is either support with breastfeeding, if they are breastfeeding, because continuing to breastfeed in an emergency is the safest thing for your baby. And, you know, switching to formula during that time when you don't have access to safe water or, you know, sterilizing equipment, breastfeeding in an emergency is the safest thing for your baby so you don't want to be changing to formula during that time but if you're already using formula during that time you don't want to be stopping and changing between you know between a formula that you're given that day because that plays havoc with baby's little tummy what's most useful for parents during an emergency is to get actual money and you know vouchers toward getting the formula that they that their baby is used to and has been using until now so they also say that information is key. So parents have to be given non-biased information about the products. So, you know, reading the back of your formula can is not going to give you an unbiased uh, version of what the product is really. Um, you probably have to go elsewhere for that. There's a brilliant document by First Steps Nutrition, which... Um, tells you about the different types of infant formula, their ingredients, all of that kind of thing. It's neutral, it's by a charity, they have no vested interests. So that's a good place to go for non-biased information about them, about it. Um, I think that's about it. That's the basics, a quick run through them. The last thing that I would just wanted to touch on the, was that the code is also why infant formula can't be discounted. And that kind of upsets a lot of people. They think, well, you know, why can't it be discounted? That's really unfair. Um, but there's, there are very solid reasons behind that. Again, it's the parents that would end up paying for this voucher, this coupon that you get, 
points that you get on your club card, it's the parents that pay for that. And um, that's why samples can't be given out. Companies just do that sort of thing to gain brand loyalty and to get your custom. No other reason. They want you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think a lot of parents, when they first start mentioning or they first hear about the hit code, they are so surprised when you say that your own interest in the who code is based on you wanting formula to be less expensive. At least that's my own opinion. I want the who code to be fully implemented in this country because I want parents, as you said, Tony, who either choose or who need to use formula. I want them to not be exploited for profit. Mm -hmm. And that oh, yeah. is so surprising when people hear it because there is, uh, you know, there is a bias out there. People think if you are into breastfeeding that that equates to being anti-formula. And a mm. lot of people see the WHO code as being an anti-formula code or an anti-formula policy or guideline when really it's not. It's about protecting all families, all children, and it's about empowering those families to make informed choices that are free from marketing, that's free from someone who's looking to exploit and to get as much money out of that family as possible. Yeah, I totally agree, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's something that's not seen and not heard of a huge amount that I would never have known. You know, I know every, everyone pays for advertising, but when you consider the, the markup that Formula now has to have for the degree of marketing in that, that the, um, I am a nurse, so I know in the INMO magazine that every month there used to be on the inside of the front cover was there was a formula ad. And I think I kind of lobbied a couple of my colleagues in that to start emailing every single month. So now when we turn the front page, it is a breastfeeding ad, actually. And I the last month there wasn't a single formula in the whole thing. And I remember kind of thinking, okay, at least there's been a small change, but you know, 20 yeah. years nursing. And it was EBI that taught me about the WHO code. I had never heard of it in, well, not that we actually got breastfeeding lectures, but we never heard anything about it the whole way through college, that it was, ultimately, it was a Facebook group was where I learned about it. And from you guys, that, you know, it was one of those things that I had never heard of up to that point. Well, then within Ireland, who looks after the WHO code as such? Um, Mary, would you like to touch on that? Yes, thank you. Uh, and such great points just just made. Um, I remember the campaign, no promotion, cheaper formula. And this is, you know, we have to realize that this is a billion dollar global industry. It's a huge uh, industry here in Ireland. And that is why Baby Feeding Law Group Ireland uh, aims to have the WHO code fully implemented. And we have seen in the short while since, say, it would have been 2013 or so, that Baby Feeding Law Group ran um, a launch in the Rotunda Hospital with speakers from the UK and from here and a work group and, and all of that um, wants to protect all children, no matter how that they are fed. 
And the sad thing is, as just been referred to, is quite a proportion of the cost of that kind of infant formula is spent on marketing. So if there was no promotion, no marketing, um, we would have cheaper formula. There are other products. Like I could go into anyone's house on this road, on your road, in your rural area, and I'm quite sure that I would find somewhere in your house um, a container of salt. Nobody markets salt, and we all buy it. It's not likely that any parent would forget to buy food for their baby if it wasn't marketed. And so Baby Feeding Law Group has created an awareness um, one of the lovely things that I'll never forget was the showing of the film uh, Tigers um, in Dublin. And we had Sabina Higgins, we had many speakers, but we also had this remarkable guy who, you know, realised who had worked in industry. And there are many people here listening to me. I have no doubt that EBI has their share of visitors and spies and everything else. And they also know at the end of the day, this is an ethical issue. I have no problems with advertising for clothing, for handbags, for hairdressers, whatever. Um, but I do have a concern, and so do many healthcare professionals, um, on the ethics of pushing infant formula, of undermining breastfeeding. And that is why um, Baby Feeding Law Group is looking that infant feeding decisions should be made on indications for need, choice, but not because of commercial marketing influence. So some people have said, oh, you know, it's a criticism of parents, the mothers who use infant formula. No way. We all know how hard all mothers work, no matter how they feed their babies. And certainly, those who are formula feeding are having to work harder because once you get breastfeeding sorted and established, it really is very, very easy and convenient. So I think some of the pushback, oh, we must not make mothers feel guilty, comes from none other than those who have a vested interest in making profits from those very same mothers all mothers deserve support. And if anything, they should feel anger rather than guilt. Because anger because they did not get the kind of breastfeeding support that they needed. Because many formula feeding mothers, indeed, way back ooh, in the 80s, maybe 1986, thereabouts, Mary Max Sweeney and Trinity did a study which included. Um, mothers who were breastfeeding and mothers who were formula feeding. And so many of those formula feeding mothers said they would have liked to have breastfed. 
It's no different today. And that's why, you know, breastfeeding support groups, the Leche League, Quidju, are all there helping um, mothers, no matter what they decide, to reach their breastfeeding goals and to have that sort of support. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this morning. I think, Rebecca, Rebecca, you were going to touch on to kind of brand formulas and ways that the, the industry as such get around get around the fact that they're not allowed to advertise, that, you know, the, there's many ways to advertise, as Mary has commented on, there is many, many ways to advertise that aren't official advertisements that we know on billboards or television that I think you were going to touch on different brand ambassadors and ways that the formula companies have been able to sneak in as such different ways to advertise. Yes, that's right. In Ireland, one of the parts of the code that has been implemented is that formula, the formula industry is not allowed to advertise first infant milks. So that's milks which are aimed at children under the age of six months. So whenever you see an ad on the television, for example, or online, that's going to be for follow-on milk. And it's always, I always think it, you can see for some parents that it's almost a revelation when they discover this for the first time, because quite often people don't think what is actually being advertised. They just see it's formula that's being advertised. They aren't aware that first stage milks are not allowed to be advertised to them. So, I mean, it's quite clever. The formula industry created follow-on milk as the ultimate workaround, the ultimate loophole to the WHO code that has been implemented and legislated for in Ireland. And this is why you will see it being advertised. You'll see it being advertised online. Um, you'll also see the formula industry sets up baby clubs for new parents. Um, they're very good at uh, putting out baby apps. So you can, if you're when you're pregnant, you can download an app to track your baby's growth. And this will be set up indirectly by the formula industry. And it won't be explicit that it's linked to the formula industry, but all the branding, the lettering, the logos will match up. They just add on baby club at the end. And that's how they get around that part of the legislation. And they're also really good at I hate to give them praise but it's very clever in a way the 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 marketing people that they have coming up with all these ideas they will pay online influencers so people who are very popular on Instagram and on Facebook to be their brand ambassadors and again this is meant to be only from six months onwards but perhaps the influencers aren't as up to date on the WHO code and what is allowed and what isn't allowed. And I guess because social media is so unregulated that there are a lot of mistakes, maybe genuine or otherwise, that people make um, when they're speaking as a brand ambassador for a particular baby club or a particular formula that they have started to use or that they have received products from. And it's just, it's another way. And sometimes, um, again, this is getting a little bit personal. Sometimes I actually will contact an influencer um, by DM very quietly, very gently. And I'll say, I don't know if you're aware, 
but you're not allowed to show uh, a brand, a particular brand of first infant milk or Another example, sometimes they will go into a supermarket and they'll do a sweeping shot of all the different types of formulas. And I'll also say, I don't know if you're aware, but that's not actually allowed in Ireland. And somebody might report you. I don't do it in a threatening way. And quite often people are very receptive when you point out that they're operating in a grey area or an outright, you really shouldn't be doing this. It can influence people. Um, yeah, so I... I don't know if I actually answered what you were saying there, Leah, but um, there are so many workarounds, so many loopholes that are being exploited and people aren't really aware um, of the power that advertising has on the decisions that they make. But I think one of the things that I was always surprised about is, I think, Tony, you would have the, fi the figure there that for every one euro that a formula costs, is it four euros is spent on advertisement? And that's for the follow-on milks and that. Yeah, it's crazy money like that. And I mean, it's parents that are paying for that. You know, parents are paying for this marketing of formula and that, that's totally unfair. It's just marketing is making formula way more expensive than it should be for the people that want to need it. So yeah. there has to be protection against that, you know. So, Rebecca, you touched on there about the different violations and that. Are you happy to tell us a little bit more about that? Um, I'll try my best. So how I sum it up in a nutshell, if ever somebody asks me, well, what is a violation of the WHO code? I say some, if they're advertising to you a milk which is aimed at children who are aged six months and under, that is an outright violation. That has been legislated for in this country. Um, you're not even allowed to gain club points when you do your shopping on this. You cannot use a discount, a voucher that you may have. It can't be used against first stage infant milks. They're also not allowed to discount first stage infant milks. And that's very important because sometimes you might see in a supermarket uh, first stage infant milk which has a short expiry date coming up soon and they might discount it in the reduced to clear section and again a lot of people say oh what's the big deal about that isn't it great that somebody's getting a good bargain but at the same time some parents will for financial reasons or otherwise they might chop and change and it will have an impact on their child's uh, their digestive system you can see it in the nappies it can either be the looser end or the more compacted end um, but it, it's just not the right thing to do and it's essentially that they are allowed to advertise to medical professionals only but sometimes those advertisements will also be placed in areas where the public can be seen whether that's, you know, it's sometimes it's a happy coincidence for the formula industry if this happens. Um, I guess a big question that a lot of people will have is what do I do if I see a code violation? And in Ireland, the general guidelines would be first to bring it to the attention of the manager, either in, if it's in a supermarket or a shop, bring it to their attention and to let them know that they shouldn't be 
having this formula reduced or they shouldn't have a shelf talker or a little star beside the formula, let them know that it's something which shouldn't be happening. I'd always say to people to take a photo of it as well. Then the next stage is to go back, I suppose, the following day or even an hour or two later to see have they actually fixed that. If they haven't, again, take another photo and contact the Food Safety Authority in Ireland. And it's your local uh, health officer who you contact. So you go onto the FSAI and they have a report um, contact form and you can submit it there. And they're very good at following up on it and include your photo as well that you have so that they can see exactly what's happened. You can also contact the ASAI, which is the Advertising Standards Authority in Ireland. Um, this is particularly useful for when you see breaches of the code online, especially um, on Instagram and on Facebook um, and other social media like TikTok as well. Um, and generally, these things can be resolved very quickly when you just contact somebody or just let them know because people tend not to be informed about this um, on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not on their radar. Um, also, if you can bring it to the attention of Baby Feeding Law Group, um, yeah. take your pictures, send it, and contact us on Facebook or on the website, and we will follow, follow up um, on that. I think now that um, more politicians um, are becoming aware of the cost of the health aspect of infant, the promotion of infant formula, they are more, the balance has shifted. And so as well as Baby Feeding Law Group, as well as Food Safety Authority, sure, copy this to your local TD, um, your local councillor, let them know that you are not happy. And sometimes people hesitate because you're thinking, oh, it's my local supermarket. Hold on a second. It is the industry. These little stickers or flashes or, you know, special offer or promotion, they don't come just randomly. So it is important. We are doing the industry a favour by letting people know about the regulations. But most importantly, we are doing babies and families a favour because how children are fed should not depend on the profits of a national or multinational infant formula company. And children deserve everything. The future has to be better. And, you know, so many thanks to those healthcare professionals who were working who have worked, who've been courageous, those who have done research papers, those who are influencing their colleagues to say, you know what? Yeah, tide is turning. This has to stop. And I am really so sorry that we over the years didn't do more because all of this marketing, this promotion within the healthcare system has caused poor health for infants. It has increased the distress. It has caused 
more cancers in women, ovarian cancer, breast cancer. Um, and, you know, this marketing, this lack of training in one of the most normal physiological phenomena in the world, we let this happen. And all of this in Ireland, I am really, really sorry that we didn't do more. And this has to stop here. And, and just thank you for, for this opportunity. A big thank you to you too, Mary, for giving us your time and expertise so generously today. Well, that is all we have time for. So thank you to our panel, to our guest, Mary Bird, and to you for listening. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can find out more information and support from our Facebook group, Extended Breastfeeding in Ireland, and from your local Quidju, La Leche League and Friends of Breastfeeding Support Groups. Have a good day.